I'd like to congratulate you all. Do you know why? Because you survived another year. You've survived another year. This week, Chinese people all around the world are celebrating the new year and the spring festival. And today and yesterday, we've been congratulating people for surviving another year. You know, that's actually a pretty big deal. But you didn't realize that, huh? Some of us kids, we think and take for granted the next day, don't we? But we got to be careful not to take for granted the next day, but to every day give thanks, for this is the day the Lord has made. Rejoice in it, and every day to number our days, that we may apply ourselves to wisdom as we walk humbly with our God. And it is a very important thing. Well, as I love to do each year around Chinese New Year, I like to tell you some things about China. Well, this year I'm going to do something a little bit different. Uh, We'll start off, i just recap a little bit so you don't wonder what these strange things are over on the doors. But um, basically you'll see one one main character on the center of the door, and you'll see it in all kinds of different fonts. Um... And, and that is the character, I wonder, does anybody remember what this character means? Besides Elijah. Anybody remember what this character means? Besides Hopi. Um, besides Nathan. Somebody that does, that's not like related to someone who's Chinese. Or Chinese, yeah. Nobody remembers? Oh my, I guess we're going to have to review that lesson. It's the word Blessed. It's the favorite Chinese character, the word blessed. And really, as we look at the new year and the Chinese new year, we all are blessed. And it's a time to give thanks for all the blessings God has given to us. And this morning, I'd like to take some time to give thanks for the Lord Jesus Christ. What did he do for all of us? whether we're American and whether we have ancestors from any part of the world, what did Jesus do for all of us? Really? None of you know? Nathan, what did he do? He died on Calvary. That's right. He died on the cross for the sins of the whole world. So it doesn't matter where you live in the world or where you're from in the world. It doesn't matter what color of clothes you wear or kinds of clothes that you may wear of different cultures. God loves you. Jesus died for you. And Jesus rose from the dead to save each and every one of us. Didn't he? Take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Anybody have any guesses of where we're going? No guesses? Oh, Matthew 28 is the last chapter of Matthew. And there's something really special in the last chapter of Matthew called the Great Commission. The Great Commission. It is an order that Jesus gave to his disciples and by extension to all of us, a job to do. And Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 18, it says, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given me in heaven and in earth. 
Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen? Amen. Jesus has all authority and all power. And he's given us in a command. That's how we know it's possible. Because he has the authority and the power to enable us to bring about this command. To go to all nations. Now do you think that includes China? It sure does. It includes China. Well, I'd like to tell you the story of a lady whose name is Willie Hayes Kelly. Willie Hayes Kelly. Earlier, Mr. Tolosa was telling us about Jesus Loves Me. And he said that was a really, really old song. And it became a song in what year? Does anybody remember? 1862. Was that a long time? Was that a long time ago? Yeah, that was like just before the Civil War, or kind of right at the beginning of it, wasn't it? 1862. That's the year that Willie Hayes Kelly was born. That's a long time ago, isn't it? So what does Willie Hayes Kelly have to do with these little people? You think there's any connection? You think there's any connection between Willie Hayes Kelly, born in 1862, and these little people, these little Chinese people? Mr. Virgil. You going to tell us? Oh, well, I'll let, I'll let me tell him. There is a connection. Because if you were to trace what we call a spiritual heritage back, you will find that we are very closely connected to this lady named Willie Hayes Kelly. You see, Willie Hayes Kelly was a missionary. She was born in Alabama on a slave, on a slave plantation of cotton and um, tobacco and um, corn. She was born in 1862. Her mother was just 18 years old. Her mother had been married just the previous year, and her and her husband James had only been married for a few months when the call to arms came in the war between the states. And so, just soon after Willie was conceived, her father was called away to war. You know what? Her 18-year-old mom gave birth to her, and her husband wasn't there. Time went by. You might know your history. What's the end of the Civil War? The end of the Civil War is in May of 1865. She was born in 1862. Didn't see her father. Even, in fact, in 1865, when the war was ended, in May, she still didn't see him. In fact, Willie was four years old, and it wasn't until 1866 that she met her father. 
and she didn't even know it was her father. He had just been released from a prison um, oh, pr as a prisoner of war and been sent back home. And when he came to the gates of the plantation there in Alabama, little Willie saw him. He was all ragged, and he had an overgrown beard. And she went running to her mommy saying, Mommy, 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 there's a beggar at the gate. There's a beggar at the gate. And her mommy came out and saw her husband, whom she had not seen for five years. He got shaved and cleaned up, and then he introduced himself as little Willie's daddy. It was the first time she met her daddy when she was four years old. And when she gave him a hug that day, she says, I'm glad you're not a beggar. Well, time goes by for little Willie. She was named Willie, actually, after her grandfather. That's kind of funny and an interesting story. But um, as time goes by, when she was eight years old, after the war, her father was this kind of guy who tried and wanted to help people. And um, he had a lot of land, and in some ways he was prosperous, but the economy was a disaster in the South after the Civil War. And um, for him, for the most part, he was stable. But he had some friends who needed some money, and so he co-signed for them. You know what co-signed means? In the Proverbs, it's called surety. And in the Proverbs, it says, don't be a surety for people. Don't co-sign. Don't be surety for people. And the reason why God says don't be surety for people is because God knows what happened to James Kelly often happens. When little Willie was eight years old, the two friends he co-signed for defaulted, and they came back on James Kelly, and he lost everything. The entire plantation called the Kelly Place was taken and sold. He lost everything, and they had to move into a very small, small home in town because he, was in, uh, he had co-signed with surety for some friends who had defaulted. And so she went from, in some ways, being very wealthy to being very poor. But one of the things that she loved from the time that she was very little, the earliest time she can remember, is spending time with the slaves. When she would go to the slaves, and actually the majority of her Christian training actually came from the slaves. From when she was just a little girl up until this time when she was eight years old. Her parents were both very, very devout Scottish Presbyterians. And they were very proud of the fact of their Scottish ancestry and that they were Presbyterians. And so she had learned much about the Bible from the black slaves and came to love the ways and all the songs of the black slaves. Well, when the Kelly place um, was totally dismantled, also so she was disconnected from this whole group of people that she so dearly loved and who had been teaching her about the Bible and had been teaching her their songs and she loved them and she missed them. And so when they moved into town in a new place, her mother began to seek to know things of the Lord more. And her mother began to grow in her spiritual life. And then she met a pastor in that town and that pastor began to teach her. And she began to grow. And in 1878, when Willie was 16 years old, she made a public profession of faith. 
That means that she declared to all of her family, all of her friends, the entire town, that she believed Jesus died for her sins, was buried, and rose from the dead, and that she trusted in him to save her from her sins. Well, when she was 16 years old, she was baptized, which was quite a thing. Because, remember, her parents were devout Presbyterians. And here she goes and gets really baptized. I mean, she'd been baptized as a Presbyterian, but that's not really baptized as a baby when they sprinkle water on you. This time, she understood that Jesus died for her sins, was buried and rose again. And she confessed that truth to all of her family and friends in the whole town when she was baptized. The first in her family at 16 years old was the first one to be baptized according to the Bible. Well, something happened very special that day that Willie Hayes was baptized. The pastor who baptized her gave her three things. He gave her a Bible. He gave her a pamphlet on um, missions. And then he gave her another little booklet on Christian character. And that night, she went home and she took that little book on Christian character and she opened it up. And right there in the upper hand corner was a note from a famous missionary you might have heard of from China whose name was Lottie Moon. You ever heard of Lottie Moon? How many of you have heard of Lottie Moon? Okay, Lottie Moon is a very famous, a lot of people know her name but don't actually know her story, um, was a very famous missionary to China. And on the upper hand corner of this little book, there was just one little sentence. It was this. We need laborers in China. Will you come? And at 16 years old, Willie saw that and got excited and said, I will. I will. But she didn't tell anybody but the Lord. And time goes by. Here she is, 16 years old, and she goes and she starts teaching herself many different things. She devoured the entire library in her town. She wanted to go to Judson College so that she could learn more. Couldn't afford it, so ended up going to another little school for girls. And she devoured that entire library, devoured the entire library at her church and the entire library that her pastor had and just wanted to learn, learn, learn as much as she could about the world, about the Bible, and especially about China. But she kept it still a secret that she believed thought for certain that she should go to China. But she was only 16, 17, 18, and time went by. And you know one thing that she did in this time? She ministered to her family. I remember I told you she was the first one in her family to be baptized. You know what happened a few years later? Her mom got baptized. That's a big deal for a proud Scottish Presbyterian but her mom got baptized. And then some more time went by, and her father got baptized. Her mother joined the church. But her father, he said, he said, Willie, I'm convinced, I'm convinced that you're right, that baptism should only be for believers, and that baptism should be into the water. But I can't join your church. You know why? Because her church believed in what's called closed communion. That means that unless you were a member of the church, you couldn't partake of communion. Here, we believe in what's called close communion. That means that if you believe Jesus died for your sins, was buried, and rose again, we invite you to join us in partaking of communion. But not all churches do that. 
And that Willie Kelly's church was what they had closed communion. And it was at one little point that her father stubbornly, I think he had some other reasons, but that was, that was the one he gave, wasn't going to join the church because they had that. But Willie was faithful in witnessing to her siblings. She was the oldest. And you know how many siblings she had? Eight. Eight siblings. She was the oldest of nine children. And when she was 24 years old, something very sad happened. Her mother died. In fact, for the previous five years, Willie had spent caring for her mother because she was so frail and so weak. And then she died. She died young. She was only 40 years old. And Willie was only 24 years old. I may have had that math wrong. Um, but um, she was only 24 years old, Willie was. And um, the littlest child in the family, the youngest, was only seven years old. And Willie's about the age and just about ready to be, go to the mission field. In fact, she wanted to tell her mother that she wanted to go to China, but she was so afraid that it would upset her mother and maybe cause her mother more trouble in her sickness and, and, and illness that she kept it quiet. She kept it quiet. And it was actually one thing that she said she always regretted because her mother was her dearest friend and her mother could have been the one person who could be praying for her and she thought that it would perhaps be one of the greatest encouragements to her mother in her time of weakness. But when her mother died, she was preparing to share with her family. She wanted to go to China. But when her mom died, she started to look at her home. And her littlest, youngest sibling was only seven years old. How old are you, Nathan? You're 11. You're old. We have any seven-year-olds here? Who's seven? Micaiah, are you seven? How old are you? You're six. Do we have any seven-year-olds here? Oh, yes, we have a seven-year-old. You want to come? You come on up here so everybody can see. Now, do we have any 24-year-olds here? I think we do. Anna, you're 24, aren't you? Or close to it? You're 21. Oh, she's still young. Joel's 24. Is there anyone here that's 24? Oh, here's a 24. Come on, come, come. Now, if you look here, here you would have the age difference of the youngest in the family and the oldest in the family. Now, just imagine that you've been, since you were 16, so now for eight years, you've been thinking about going to China, you've been reading about going to China, you've been studying about going to China, and you've been planning to go about now because you've just graduated. But your mom dies. You think your dad's going to need help taking care of her? What do you think? You think your dad's going to need help taking care of her? And, well, we need to put some more in here. Seven more go in here. Of varying ages, many of them still very, very young. Thank you. And so, Willie, at the request of her father, after she shares with her father that she wants to go to China, stays home. You know what? She stayed home for many years. In fact, eight years she stayed home, and her primary focus was to be a ministry in her home. I think that's admirable, don't you? It's admirable. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When we learn about missionaries and different people, sometimes 
We want to make them our heroes, don't we? In fact, I have two biographies I've recently found on Willie Kelly. One little, little one for children, and then a full deeper one that was written by a friend of hers. And there's people who have criticized these books as being the denominational propaganda of heroinism. Well, she was a heroine. But it's interesting because there is some truth in here. And this book is, reveals several different things. In fact, there's a whole, whole section dedicated to some of the things that she did very foolishly. Um, there's a section developed and dedicated to her relationship with her father. Um, and here I, I cite and I admire her for staying at home. And she purposed that she was going to stay until she was able to commit her littlest sister into the, um, like a college school. And um, when she got that finished, she's like, I'm going to go to China. And her father said, I'm too old for you to go to China. And he was 70-some years old. He was actually much, much older. So was, he, um, Willie's, Willie's mother was actually his second wife. His first wife had died with no children, and then he had married Willie's mother. And she was like, um, I don't want to get the numbers wrong, but over 12 or 13 years younger than he was. And so he was a very old man. He was in his 70s about this time. And he was like, oh, no, no, Willie, you can't go to China. You can't go to China. It wasn't so much for himself. He just had no reason why she couldn't go to China. It was one of her hardest struggles that um, the biographer mentions of her grappling with and struggling where she wanted to go to China, but yet her dad didn't want to go to China. And it was a struggle. And to be honest, as I look back on it, I don't know the details I don't know what was going on. And I admire her for being faithful and helping and working at home until the youngest was enrolled in college. But um, how she worked it out with her father, I don't know. I do know, though, that it really pained her. Because when, actually, I'll tell you ahead of the story, when she did go to China, even before she came back for the first visit, both her brother at 24 years old died, and so did her father. And it really really was one of the saddest parts she described of her entire life is that she couldn't go with the full blessing of her father. He said she could go. He said she could go, but not with a blessing. And it was very difficult for her. But it's, it's something I sit back and I ask and I think and I, 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 I look back and I see her as from you know, 24 years old until she was 32 years old. She was a faithful helper at home until her youngest sibling went to college and actually went to college earlier if you're keeping track of numbers partly because of how faithful she had been in mentoring her well that's some of the background of willie kelly so she's 32 years old now and she's gonna go to china she teams up with a family and some other missionaries, and uh, they have a great farewell service for them in Alabama. They travel up along the East Coast. They have another farewell service um, in one of the eastern port cities, and then they travel all across the United States by train and by stagecoach, and they're stopped over in Chicago. Chicago was quite a bit different back then than it is now. And they kept going all the way until they got way out west, to Seattle, Washington. And there they were going to board a ship bound for Japan and then China. 32 years old. 
she's going to go to China. Well, just a few weeks before she started on this journey, she read a letter from a famous missionary in Shanghai. And that missionary wrote and said, we need more men. She's like, I'm not a man, but I can go. And so she went. She went. And uh, this is a very poor picture, but it's the best I could find of the pathetic ship she boarded on her way to China. It was old. It was old. It was halfway sinking. In fact, when she got on board the ship, she went to her particular room where she had been assigned, and it was all stuffy and musty and wet and damp. And so she went over to open the porthole window, and she barely opened it, and the ocean began to gush in. They hadn't even pulled out a port yet. And she jammed that door shut, that window porthole back shut, and was, had cleaned up the water as best she could and settled down for the journey. This should only take a week or two. Well, her and another missionary family, another single missionary lady who would actually be a co-laborer with her for a number of years, all began to sail on their way to Japan and then ultimately for Shanghai. Well, as they're sailing along, you know what happens? There's a typhoon. Typhoon is like a hurricane. And that rinkety old ship got caught up in that typhoon. And for days, 11 days, that ship was in danger of being sunk. In fact, it's very likely some people think, some of, some of the, some of the uh, captains and so forth, that because the ship was so old and leaky and so low in the water, you know, the windows were in the water, that that's perhaps the very reason it didn't sink, is because it was so crippled and old. Eleven days, though, they were caught up in the typhoon, and they didn't know if they would survive. Everyone was sick, except for Kelly which was kind of interesting because everybody used to say that all of the Kelly children were going to be weakly like their mother. And their mother was very weakly, but not Kelly. She was like an ox. And she was really, really, really strong. Well, they left on, they left on, December, on October 31st, 1894, sailing, and they didn't arrive in Shanghai until December so it was a very long voyage, and everyone was very sick, but they finally made it to Shanghai. Now, can you imagine? 1893, a girl lived the majority of her life in Alabama, grew up on a plantation, then grew up in a small town in Alabama, it was a novelty to go to one of the big cities and maybe see, maybe see one Chinaman. In fact, we're not sure how many, but she only ever mentioned that she ever saw one Chinaman before she got to China. And this is interesting, too, because, to give you a little bit of background of the history that's going on, this is in, 18, in 1894. In 1885 and 86, the port, so just nine years, eight, nine years before she sailed for China, the port 
in the Washington Territory where she embarked to go to China had a major race issue. The entire town rounded up all Asian people in the entire city and all the suburbs, and they led them out to the train station outside of town, not even dignifying them at the depot in town, and herded them on to cattle cars and sent them to Portland. Banished all Asians from this town. So here you have this situation. I mean, this is the town where she's going. Here she's going to be a missionary, and I'm going to reach the China people. And there were some people in the very town that she embarked that were hated China people and hated the Japanese people and had treated them terribly and cruelly just a few years before this. And it was still going on. You you imagine, that just doesn't stop overnight. It lasted for years. It was a terrible situation. But it was interesting that it was in that context that Willie Kelly begins to sail for China, makes it to China, and she gets off that ship. And there's all Chinese people. And immediately she fell in love. She began to, the very first day, start to try to learn the language. She started going from shop to shop, studying the signs, copying the signs, trying to figure out what was what and who was who and what all was going on. And it was within a very short time that the people there in Shanghai referred to her, as the title of this book referred to her, as one of us. She began to dress in the traditional Chinese garb. She tried to speak their language as much as possible. In fact, she actually took a time where for six weeks, she just went somewhere where she wouldn't find another person who spoke English. She removed all English books and newspapers and magazines so she could focus only on learning Chinese. She determined that Chinese was going to be a lifelong endeavor. Many people told her that one of the biggest disasters she was going to have is that she was 34 years old, and 34-year-olds don't learn Chinese. They're too old, she was told over and over. Well, as time went by, she purposed and she petitioned actually to have a lifelong teacher who would teach her Chinese, and she studied Chinese faithfully all those years to the point that people couldn't tell a difference between her. And it's kind of funny because she had a very distinct accent in English, but it all disappeared when she spoke in Chinese, and people couldn't tell the difference between her. She was an interesting lady in another way, kind of like me. She prematurely went white. But it was a novelty amongst the Chinese. She became known, as this book has has titled her, as the white-haired lady of Shanghai. She became known as the white-haired lady of Shanghai. And it wasn't because she was just a novelty. She used it and she exploited it. Oh, that sounds bad. No, she didn't exploit it in a bad way. She became known as the white-haired lady of Shanghai. She was getting all this attention. So with all this attention she was getting, she started saying, I'm going to use this. So she goes shopping in a little market. And these people would all be gathering around, and they didn't know she could speak Chinese or understand English, or understand Chinese. And so they'd be talking about that. You see that? You see that foreigner? And she got all that white hair, and they'd be gossiping her about her. And all of a sudden, she'd start talking in pure Chinese. And she'd start telling them about Jesus. And she'd start telling them about her God and about salvation. And it became very rare that on a Sunday morning, 
people wouldn't show up at her church, the Northgate Baptist Church in Shanghai, and say, we want to know more about the white-haired lady's God. Because everywhere she went, she was telling people about her God. But language wasn't always natural to her. It took her some time to figure things out. One of the first times she was there, she was going to be real hospitable, and she was going to celebrate the American Thanksgiving and invite some of the missionaries. She was going to invite some of her Chinese friends over to her house. So she got them all together, and she was going to supervise all of this and get all of this happening, and it was going to, she got tracked down a turkey, and uh, she was all excited, and she was going to have this feast for her friends both American missionaries as well as Chinese. And um, she went to one of her helpers and she gave him some instructions. She gave him a huge silver platter and she said to him, I want you to fill this up with fruit and I want you to clean it good and I want you to put it right on the middle of the table. And so the hour of the party began and she's greeting the guests as they're coming in and so forth and she, she hears some murmuring behind the door. And she sees the guy she'd given this job to looking through the crack in the door and, and, and mumbling to the people around him. And so she slipped away, excused herself from the guest arriving, and went back and, and said, said, what's wrong? And he says, oh, Miss Kelly, Miss Kelly, I've, I've been doing my best to do what you told me to do. I've, I've been cleaning it real well, but, but I just can't put this on your silver platter. And he held up a pair of pants. She told, her to, told him to clean the fruit well well and put it on the platter. But she used the wrong word. <laughs> she used the word pants instead of fruit. So he'd been cleaning and cleaning and ironing a pair of pants. He didn't understand what they had to do with Thanksgiving. But he'd worked hard and hard and hard and hard. And she laughed at herself when she realized that she'd switched up two words and they ended up getting some fruit to put there on that table because who wants a pair of old, clean pants on the center of the table? That's a new Thanksgiving tradition for y'all. <laughs> pants on a silver platter. Pants on a silver platter. Well, another ministry that she had is one of the summers that she was there became known as the Tiger Heat Summer. The Tiger Heat Summer. She recorded that every day she would stand outside of the place that she lived as hundreds of coffins. Every day, a constant stream of coffins would be carried from the city as the dead bodies would be carried outside of the city to just be placed in a field because they didn't have enough places or fast enough to bury them. It was a cholera plague that wreaked havoc in Shanghai, calling it the tiger heat. It impacted not only the missionaries, but also the Chinese. In fact, the pastor of the church where she went to was a Chinese man. He was a pastor and his wife, and he had seven children. And in the summer of the tiger heat, he died, and two of his children, leaving behind a widow and five small children. Willie Kelly and Miss Price took it upon themselves to care for that widow and those five children. So began what was later called the Eliza Yates School for Girls. They began to minister to widows and orphans 
following the summer of the tiger heat. And they began another ministry. They not only stayed in Shanghai, the bustling city, but they'd, they'd get one of these little carts. And um, you could see Miss Kelly, she's sitting there in the front. And Miss Price is sitting there in the back. And then the lady holding the child is called their Bible woman. She was a Christian woman. Um, and she has her little child there. And um, then you got the guy who's, who's pu- pushing the cart. And um, they would take this, and it would take about a week to travel out of Shanghai, and they'd go into the countryside. And they'd go out into the countryside, and they'd find particularly widows and orphans and seek to minister to them and to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, it was on one of her very first trips out to uh, the country where she met a family There was a little girl, just um, a few years old. Her mother was a widow, and her grandmother was a widow. And um, they'd gone out into the country, and they'd met this family. A great, they'd been a happy family until tragedy struck, and the daddy died. And now they were poor and helpless, and Miss Kelly met them. Miss Kelly met them. The little girl's name was Yu Ying. And um, she later had the name, English name, Helen. I've got a picture of her here. Where did my pointer go? Here she's a little older. My pointer needs warmed up every week. I'm going to have to have somebody hold this until I need it. This is terrible. She's the one in the back with the glasses. Can you see her, the one in the back with the glasses? So just rewind time until she was just a little girl of about six years old. The lady sitting there in the middle um, is her mother. And um, this is after her picture is taken after her, grand, her grandmother had died. But there were these, these three women, a grandma, her mother, and a little seven-year-old girl. Well, Miss Kelly and Miss Price came, and, and um, she writes of it. So this is, um, this is Helen. I'll use her English name, the one there with the glasses on the right, not the one in the middle, but on the right. And um, she writes that when she was a little girl, she was quietly pursuing her studies of the old Chinese classics under her dear father. She writes, In my native town of Kashan, near Shanghai, disaster suddenly befell my family in the death of my father. Such a crushing blow to a child in the very tender years was indeed both violent and cruel. My father was survived by my mother and my aged grandmother. A very happy family was thus plunged into a most woeful plight. Three years later, Miss W.H. Kelly made her trip to Kunshan and brought with her the benevolence to the people in distress. What was the benevolence? She says, namely, the Christian gospel. Sometime later, all the three generations, my grandmother, my mother, and myself were converted. The conversion was then to us a source of inspiration and comfort at a time when we were in dire need. Little Helen, when she was nine years old, went with Miss Kelly and her mother and grandmother moved to Shanghai, and she enrolled in Eliza Yates School for Girls. Now you may wonder, 
I asked you a question earlier. What's this have to do with all them little Chinese people I showed you a picture of earlier? Well, the lady sitting there in the middle is Elijah's great, great, great grandmother. Three greats. And actually, in the story, not in the picture, would be the fourth great-grandmother. This is a picture of her family when she'd grown up. And you see the little boy there in the middle, right in front of his, in front of his grandma. That is Evelyn's grandfather. So last fall, we went out to California for his memorial service. That was his memorial service. When that little boy was born, his mother in the back on the lady in the back right with the glasses went to Miss Kelly. She said to Miss Kelly, Miss Kelly, what should I name him? What English name should I give him? And Miss Kelly said, he's a, he's a gift from God. Call him Theodore. And so he grew up with the English name Theodore or Teddy and the Chinese name Chi Chong. Here is a legacy, a legacy set forth by Miss Willie Kelly. You know, time went on by. You see a picture here. The little boy now is that other little boy. Um, in the next picture. And you know what? Miss Kelly got old too. But she served in Shanghai for 46 years until she was forced by the U.S. State Department on November 20th, 1940 to board the USS George Washington and vacate Shanghai because World War II was heating up hot. Miss Kelly came home very sad. Very, very sad. She'd already picked out her tombstone and her grave plot. She was going to live and die in Shanghai. Just short time passed, and she died, never going back to China. And also, not knowing many of things. You see, even here in that picture I showed you of those children, you know, little Teddy, she got to see him come to know the Lord. In fact, she gave him his first Bible. And I think we actually found it when we were at his house. We couldn't figure it out. We found this Bible in this gorgeous silk box. And we're like, what is this? And we're looking at it. We're looking at it. And it appeared to be like a secondhand Bible from a surplus school in Japan. And um, couldn't figure it out, couldn't figure it out, couldn't figure it out. But then we found this book, and we were reading in this book, and it talks about the fact that she gave Teddy his very first Bible that he still treasures. This book was written long after Miss Kelly died. Uh, he still treasures, and we're like, ah, that must be what the Bible in the treasure box is, is that first Bible. I don't know for sure, but it's a possibility. But as time went by, something she didn't know. You know, she boarded, the, she boarded that ship, and was evacuated from Shanghai against her will in many regards. And she didn't live. She didn't live to see. Years later, when that little boy, remember the little boy here? Years later, that little boy resigned from the Taiwan Power Company 
And when he resigned, his boss told him, congratulations, sir. You are leaving the Taiwan Power Company to go serve the greatest power in the universe. He went to seminary, was later ordained as a pastor. And in fact, what you see there in his hand is this very Bible. Bible he was given on the day he was ordained. And here is his ordination certificate. And God used him to share the gospel in many different places in Asia. Uh, he eventually was a pastor also in Taiwan. And eventually was called by the Mandarin Baptist Church of Los Angeles to be their pastor. A, a Chinese-speaking church in Los Angeles. Well, actually, no, he wasn't called to be the pastor. That's another story we're all out of time. Um, that's, his story is a fascinating story, too. But um, actually, if you look there right in the picture, speaking of the spiritual heritage, that center picture is that little boy who Miss Kelly named Teddy baptizing his granddaughter, who's sitting right over there, Evelyn, my wife. There he's baptizing her in Los Angeles. He served the Lord in many places throughout his life. Something Miss Kelly didn't even know. Didn't even know. When the war broke out, she went to the United States. She had one little visit from Teddy's older brother, Philip, who was at, when he was at Cornell, took a detour trip to specifically visit Miss Kelly. Um, hope, luck before she died. But then... Um, he grew in here. He's a pastor, and some of you might know. Is she here? That's Mrs. Chu, the little girl right there in the middle. You see the three girls in the middle? The middle one is Mrs. Chu, Joanne, Joanne Cheng. And so here you can see Teddy on the left, and his mother now here, an old woman, just, just at his right. He loved his mother very, very much. In fact, among his things, we found several articles in both Chinese and English that were written of the legacy and the witness and the testimony of his mother. Remember, his mother was that little orphan girl that Miss Kelly led to the Lord and then ended up moving the whole, her and her mother, widowed mother and grandmother to Shanghai and led them all to the Lord and they tr trusted in him. And she in turn led little Teddy to trust in the Lord and later he became a pastor. We got to hear him preach a few years back in a church in California. So you may ask, or may I ask the question I did at the beginning? What's, the, what's these little Chinese people have to do with Miss Kelly, born way back in 1862? Well, you know what it is? One of the reasons that today you hear about Jesus and you hear about the gospel is because your mommy, heard the gospel from her mother, who heard it from her father, who heard it from his mother, who together heard it with her mother and grandmother, whom we don't have a picture of, who all heard it from Miss Kelly. The missionary who gave up her homeland to go and to share the gospel with the people of China. She leaves a legacy, a beautiful legacy. I want to carry on the legacy. Because you see, of all these people, none of them are perfect.
They all, we all have problems, don't we? But we have a glorious, wonderful Savior who died for all of us and rose from the dead so that we can have life. And seven generations, seven generations of this family can give thanks both in heaven and on this earth that Miss Kelly obeyed and was faithful as a witness. I'd like to leave you with a video of Grandpa Chang offering a benediction. May the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of our Heavenly Father, the care of the Holy Spirit guide you, be with you, comfort you from today to forever and ever. Father, we give thanks today for you. You, the one who gave yourself for us. Lord, we have learned today of a legacy of the gospel proclaimed by Miss Kelly and others. We've learned the legacy of parents, all with their own failures, but yet faithful to proclaim the gospel. May we pick up this legacy. May we continue on in our generation, not just in passing it on to our children, but in following the Great Commission which was true for Miss Kelly, is true for us, that we go to all nations. Lord, I pray that you would work among us, that you would call from us faithful witnesses for our Jerusalem of South Bend, for Michiana, for Indiana, for Michigan, for the United States, perhaps China, to the uttermost parts of the world. Father, indeed, we commit ourselves to you, asking that you work in us and through us, for you have all power and all authority. We praise you now, and we give thanks to you. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you all so much, and Happy New Year. <laughs>